Hello and welcome to Raven Mad, a Signet and Swan adaptation of the poetry and prose of legendary Gothic writer Edgar Allan Poe. Descend into our prisoners' soporific and excruciating torments by the Spanish Inquisition in The Pit and the Pendulum. sick unto death with that long agony, and when they at length unbound me, I was permitted to sit. I felt all my senses were leaving me. The sentence, the dread sentence. The sentence of this court. Is that you will be taken from here to close confinement until the date of your execution. And upon the day of your execution, you shall be hanged by the neck until you are dead. And may God have mercy upon your soul. This was the last of the distinct accentuation which reached my ears. After that, the sound of inquisitorial voices seemed merged into one dreamy, indeterminate hum. It conveyed to my soul the idea of revolution, perhaps from its association in fancy with the burr of a mill wheel. This only for a brief period, for presently I heard no more. Yet, for a while, I saw but with how terrible an exaggeration. I saw the lips of the black-robed judges. They appeared to me white, whiter than the sheet upon which I trace these words, and thin, even to grotesqueness, thin with the intensity of their expression of firmness, of immovable resolution, of stern contempt of human torture. I saw that the decrees of what to me was fate were still issuing from those lips. I saw them writhe in deadly locution. I saw them fashion syllables of my name, and I shuddered because no sound succeeded. I saw too, for a few moments of delirious horror, the soft and nearly imperceptible waving 
of the sable draperies which enwrapped the walls of the apartment. And then my vision fell upon the seven tall candles upon the table. At first they wore the aspect of charity and seemed white and slender angels who would save me, but then, all at once, there came the most deadly nausea over my spirit, and I felt every fiber in my frame thrill as if I had touched the wire of some galvanic battery, while the angel forms became meaningless specters with heads of flame, and I saw that from them there would be no help. And then there stole into my fancy, like a rich musical note, the thought of what sweet rest there must be in the grave. The thought came gently and stealthily, and seemed long before it attained full appreciation. But just as my spirit came at length properly to feel and entertain it, the figures of the judges vanished. As if magically from before me, the tall candles sank into nothingness. Their flames went out utterly. The blackness of darkness supervened. All sensations appeared swallowed up in a mad rushing descent as of the soul into Hades. Then silence and stillness. Night with the universe. I had swooned, but still will not say that all of consciousness was lost. What of it there remained, I will not attempt to define, nor even to describe. Yet all was not lost. In the deepest slumber, no, um, in delirium, no. In a swoon, no. In death, no. Look, even in the grave all is not lost, else there would be no immortality for man. Amid frequent and thoughtful endeavours to remember, amid earnest struggles to regather some token of the state of seeming nothingness into which my soul had lapsed, there have been moments when I have dreamed of success. There have been brief, very brief periods when I have conjured up remembrances of some lucid reason of a later epoch, assured me could have had reference only to that condition of seeming unconsciousness. These shadows of memory tell indistinctly of tall figures that lifted and bore me in silence, down, down, still down, till a hideous dizziness oppressed me at the mere idea of the interminableness of the descent. They tell also of a vague horror at my heart on account of that heart's unnatural stillness. There comes a sense of sudden motionless throughout all things, as if those who bore me a ghastly train had outrun in their descent the limits of the limitless and pause from the wearisomeness of their toil. After this I call to mind flatness and dampness. Then all is madness, the madness of a memory which busies itself among forbidden things. Very suddenly 
there came back to my soul motion and sound, the tumultuous motion of heart, and in my ears, the sound of its beating. Then a pause in which all is blank. Then again sound and motion and touch, a, a tingling sensation pervading my frame. Then the mere consciousness of existence, without thought, a condition which lasted long. Then, very suddenly, thought, and the shuddering terror and earnest endeavor to comprehend my true state. Then a strong desire to lapse into insensibility. Then, a rushing revival of soul and a successful effort to move. And now, a full memory of the trial, of the judges, of the sable draperies, of, of the sins, of the sickness, of the swoon, the entire forgetfulness of all that followed, of all that a later day and much earnestness of endeavor have enabled me vaguely to recall. So far, I had not opened my eyes. I felt that I lay upon my back unbound. I reached out my hand, and it fell heavily upon something, damp and hard. There I suffered it to remain for many minutes, while I strove to imagine where and what I could be. I longed, yet dared not to employ my vision. I dreaded the first glance at objects around me. It was not that I feared to look upon things horrible, but that I grew aghast lest there should be nothing to see. At length, with a wild desperation at heart, I quickly unclosed my eyes. My worst thoughts then were confirmed. The blackness of eternal night encompassed me. I struggled for breath. The intensity of the darkness seemed to oppress and stifle me. The atmosphere was intolerably close. I still lay quietly and made effort to exercise my reason. I brought to mind the inquisitorial proceedings and attempted from that point to deduce my real condition. The sentence had passed and it appeared to me that a very long interval of time had since elapsed. Yet not for a moment did I suppose myself actually dead. Such a supposition, notwithstanding what we read in fiction, is altogether inconsistent with real existence. But where and in what state was I? The condemned to death, I knew, perished usually at the auto de fe, 
and one of these had been held on the very night of the day of my trial. Had I been remanded to a dungeon to await the next sacrifice, which would not take place for many months? <laughs> this I at once saw could not be. Victims had been in immediate demand. Moreover, my dungeon, as well as the condemned cells at Toledo, had stone floors, and light was not altogether excluded. A fearful idea now suddenly drove the blood in torrents upon my heart, and for a brief period I once more relapsed into insensibility. Upon recovering, I at once started to my feet, trembling convulsively with it in every fibre. I thrust my arms wildly above and around me in all directions. I felt nothing, yet dreaded to move a step, lest I should be impeded by the walls of a tomb. Perspiration burst from every pore and stood in cold big beads upon my forehead. The agony of suspense grew at length intolerable, and I cautionally moved forward with my arms extended and my eyes straining from their sockets in the hope of catching some faint ray of light. I proceeded for many paces, but still all was blackness and vacancy. I breathed more freely. It seemed evident that mine was not, at least, the most hideous of fates. And now, as I still continued to step cautiously forward, there came a thronging upon my recollection, a, a thousand vague rumours of the horrors of Toledo, of the dungeons. There had been strange things narrated, fables I, I had always deemed them, but yet strange and too ghastly to repeat, save in a whisper. Was I left to perish of starvation in this subterranean world of darkness? Or what fate, perhaps even more fearful, awaited me? That the result would be death, and a death of more than customary bitterness. I knew too well <laughs> the characters of my judges to doubt the mode and the hour were all that occupied and distracted me. My outstretched hands, at length, encountered some solid obstruction. It was a wall, seemingly of stone masonry, very smooth, slimy, and cold. I followed it up stepping with all the careful distrust with which certain antique narratives had inspired me. This process, however, afforded me no means of ascertaining the dimensions of my dungeon. As I might make its circuit and return to the point whence I set out, without being aware of the fact, so perfectly uniform seemed the wall. I therefore 
sought the knife which had been in my pocket when led into the inquisitorial chamber. <laughs> but it was gone. My clothes had been exchanged for a wrapper of coarse serge. I, I, I thought of forcing the blade in some minute crevice in the masonry, as so to identify my point of departure. The difficulty, nevertheless, was but trivial, although, in the disorder of my fancy, it seemed at first inseparable. I tore a part of the hem from the robe and placed a fragment at full length and at right angles to the wall. In groping my way around the prison, I could not fail to encounter this rag upon completing the circuit. So, at least, I thought. But I had not counted upon the extent of the dungeon, or upon my own weakness. The ground was moist and slippery. I staggered onward for some time, when I stumbled and fell. My excessive fatigue induced me to remain prostrate, and sleep soon overtook me as I lay. Upon awakening and stretching forth an arm, I found beside me a, a loaf and a pitcher with water. I, I was too much exhausted to reflect upon its circumstance, but I ate and drank with avidity. Shortly afterwards, I resumed my tour around the prison, and with much toil came at last upon the fragment of the surge. Up to the period when I fell, I had counted fifty-two paces, and upon resuming my walk, I had counted forty-eight more when I arrived at the rag. There were in all, then, a hundred paces, and admitting two paces to the yard, I presumed the dungeon to be fifty yards in circuit. I had met, however, with the many angles in the wall, uh, and thus I could form no guess at the shape of the vault. For a vault, I could not help supposing it to be. I had little object, certainly no hope, these researchers, uh, but a vague curiosity prompted me to continue them. Quitting the wall, I'd resolved uh, to cross the area of the enclosure. At first I proceeded with extreme caution, uh, for the floor, although seemingly of solid material, was treacherous with slime. At length, however, I took courage, and did not hesitate to step firmly, endeavouring to cross in as direct a line as possible. I had advanced some uh, ten or twelve paces in this manner, when the remnant of the torn hem on my robe became untangled between my feet. I stepped on it, and I fell violently on my face. In the confusion attending my fall, I did not immediately apprehend a somewhat startling circumstance, which yet, in a few seconds afterwards, and while I lay prostrate, arrested my attention. It was this. My chin rested upon the floor of the prison, uh, but my lips and the upper portion of my head, although um, seemingly at a less elevation than the chin, touched nothing. At the same time, my forehead seemed bathed in a clammy vapour, and the peculiar smell of decayed fungus arose to my nostrils. 
I put forward my arm, and I shuddered, to find that I had fallen at the very brink of a circular pit, whose extent, of course, I had no means of ascertaining at the moment. Groping about the masonry just below the margin, I succeeded in dislodging a small fragment and let it fall into the abyss. For many seconds, I hearkened to its reverberations as it dashed against the sides of the chasm in its descent. At length, there was a sullen plunge into water, succeeded by a loud echo. At the same moment, there came a sound resembling a quick opening and as rapid closing of a door overhead. And while a gleam of light flashed suddenly through the gloom and as suddenly faded away, I saw clearly the doom which had been prepared for me and congratulated myself upon the timely accident by which I had escaped. Another step before my fall and the world had seen me no more. And the death just avoided was of that very character which I had regarded as fabulous and frivolous in the tales respecting the Inquisition. To the victims of its tyranny, there was a choice of death with its direst physical agonies, or death with its most hideous moral horrors. <laughs> I had been reserved for the latter. By long suffering, my nerves had been unstrung until I trembled at the sound of my own voice and had become in every respect a fitting subject for the species of torture which awaited me. Shaking in every limb, I groped my way back to the wall, resolving there to perish rather than risk the terrors of the wells, of which my imagination now pictured many in various positions about the dungeon. In other conditions of mind, I might have had the courage to end my misery at once by a plunge into one of these abysses. But now, I was the veriest of cowards. Neither could I forget what I had read of these pits, that the sudden extinction of life formed no part of their most horrible plan. Agitation of the spirit kept me awake for many long hours. But at length, I again slumbered. Thank you for joining us for an episode of Raven Mad, a Signet and Swan production. The Pit and the Pendulum was originally written by Edgar Allan Poe. This adaptation was directed by me, Olivia French, with Alexandra Mirbach, edited by Elizabeth Bradford, some musical elements were composed by Marais Vandenberg and script adaptations by Alexandra Mirbach. This episode was narrated by Andrew Seary and featured the voices of James Waite, Barry Kay and Jack Emond as the judges and Sam Daffy, David Floyd, Jeremy Wong and Marley Vanderbale as the choir. Raven Mad is proudly supported by the Ballarat Arts Foundation as the grateful recipient of the 2021 Jack Anderson Film Award grant. You can support us by rating, reviewing and subscribing on your favourite podcast platform. And check out our YouTube channel for short film adaptations. Signet and Swan wish to acknowledge the Wadarung people of the Kulin Nations 